Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in our study now uh, through the Old Testament. We are working our way through Genesis. We're going to work our way through the entire Old Testament, a chapter at a time, God willing. Um, should he tarry and let us get through it, uh, we have about 14 and a half years to finish. Um, we did five years through the Old Testament or through the New Testament before we started, so we have a good track record of finishing what we start. So that's a good thing. You know, every, I guess everything's subject to change, but that's the plan. And uh, so we know where we're headed and what we're doing. I will take a few Wednesdays in December and let some of the other staff pastors come in and do a little Christmas time message stuff. So that will hold us off a few weeks, but no big deal. Um, I, it gives a chance everybody to say what's on their heart and mind as we head up to Christmas, which is a big deal. I can't believe that that's coming. Advent is a, just a few weeks away. The beginning of Advent is the last Sunday of this month. It's the first Sunday of Advent, and uh, there you go. Um, that's, I like that season anyway, so it's good. So that's coming up. But we're working hard through the book of Genesis. Um, we're in Genesis chapter 35 this evening, and we, um, we're really looking now uh, at the life of Jacob and his family. Um, as we get started, remember there's things I've tried to get you to, I want you to remember about the book of Genesis. So by now you should know them just when I begin to say it. There's four main events and four main people and one sort of big theme that I want you to hang on to. The four main events happened in the first 11 chapters and that was the creation and the fall and the flood and the Tower of Babel. That takes you through the first 11 chapters of Genesis. From there, it picks up and it becomes about the lives of four people primarily and all the people around them, of course. But um, you'll know them as the patriarchs. It's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph. And so we're, we're not to Joseph's life yet, but he's coming soon. He's alive. We just haven't really started um, taking off on him. We're mostly concentrating on Jacob now. At this point, Isaac is still alive. Um, and Isaac's had a pretty good run after thinking he was done with his life 20 years plus before we are tonight. He's still hanging around. Uh, the whole time that Jacob was gone, Isaac stayed alive, so go figure. And, um, and yet he's going he's gonna to end up today. <laughs> today is... Today is a, anyway, uh, I didn't know how to say that when we got there, but we're going to say goodbye to Isaac uh, today. How's that? So... Um, and, you know, we're, if we spend a lot of time with Jacob, really... Uh, and he's a fascinating uh, guy. All the patriarchs are fascinating. I've, I've told you from the beginning, I like that um, God records for us the, the sort of fact that these guys are not completely together um, because none of us are. And so, um, and I also, I've told you, I, I like the fact too that by the time we read about them in the book of Hebrews, um, all the bad stuff is long since past forgotten and it's just all their good character trait. I like that. that. That's the way in Christ God sees us. And so that's pretty helpful and pretty exciting. And really with today's story, now you, you remember last chapter was, was pretty, uh, really pretty tough. Um, Jacob sort of didn't do what he was supposed to do. And we'll talk about that a little. And uh, he hung out in this one area instead of going to Bethel where he was supposed to go. And as a result, we saw, you know, his, his daughter was, was raped and his, uh, two of his sons became murderers. Uh, in going after not just the um, perpetrator of the rape, but everybody in that whole place paid the price. For that. All the men paid the price for that. They, they killed them all with a, with a deception. And um, they took all their stuff and their women and their kids. And so now you've got that happening. And that's kind of how we ended that last chapter. Now, um, 
One of the things I like, though, and as we look in today, that's really the, all those things I've just been talking about. The good news of the gospel is that we don't have to stay the way that we are, and um, that, that change is possible. And no matter how many times we've messed up uh, in our lives, we can, we can sort of get a new start with God. We can repent, and, and um, we, can, we can, you know, start our journey with Him uh, again, you know, faithful and true. And we see that, um, we've seen it. We've seen it in Abraham, kind of blew it a little. Isaac messed up a little. We've seen it with Jacob today. We'll, we'll see it in the future with King David and with, with Jonah and with, with you know, Peter. And um, you see guys kind of mess up and get a new start and end up, you know, doing, doing well. And so uh, um, this is kind of what's going on with Jacob. And, and now um, he had, uh, Jacob now has been hanging out for several years um, about 30 miles away from where he was supposed to end up. He was supposed to go to Bethel. He hasn't gone. Incidents last week were, you know, a, a fruit of that, unfortunate events, because he, he just wouldn't go. And um, Jacob knew that Bethel was God's appointed place for him and his family. He'd just been slow to obey. And, and I would sort of have you think about this, that a lot of the... I think a lot of the situations that we face in our Christian life are, be, are because of sort of, let's call it incomplete obedience. We sort of know what the Lord wants us to do and we, we get it started, but we, we don't really press in the way that we should. And because of that, we, we have some situ, situations and issues in our life. And I, I think, you know, honestly, we, we all get that way um, because, you know, we've, we, we're still fighting our own selfishness and all those other things. Um, but, you know, we only really find life as we, as we do our best to step into the will of God for us. And I know that we, people always, how do I know the will of God? And I, the only thing I can tell you is you keep living by trying to do the next right thing. It's the only way that I get it. And we do the best we can with that. But the better we get at that, I think the, 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 the more we experience the life that God has called us to. Even as I say that, though, that doesn't mean it's a pass on hard stuff. I don't, you know, sometimes people think that the Christian life should be a pass on dealing with hard stuff, and it's not. Um, it just helps us to keep in pray, you know, perspective the reality that no matter what we kind of deal with as we're going through this walk here, that what we have promised is, is you know, surpasses anything we can even imagine. And, and so we can hang on to that, and that helps us through some of these times. And that, amazingly, God takes the stuff just had this conversation earlier, takes the stuff that we have to deal with, it's difficult and hard, and one of the ways that it's redeemed is that he often then will allow us to help other people going through that same thing, and it sort of redeems the hard stuff um, in our own lives. Anyway, we'll see uh, what happened with Jacob today, it's, it's pretty interesting. Beginning in chapter 30, we're in chapter 35, it's uh, 29 verses, beginning in verse 1, I will read it, you can follow along in your notes or on the screens or in your Bibles, I'm reading out of the NIV, you can use whatever translation you like better, um, but this is the one that works for me, and I should probably say too, I'm using the 84 version, and if it comes up on the screen, that's the latest version, and it won't be exactly the same, sorry, I'm stuck in the... I'm just coming around slow. <sighs> then God said to Jacob in verse 1, Go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you 
and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then they set out and the terror of God fell upon the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar and he called that place El Bethel because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak below Bethel. So it was named Alon Bakuth. After Jacob returned from Padam Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will come from your body. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you, and I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he had talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar at that place where God had talked with him, and he poured out a drink offering on it, and he also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. Then they moved on from Bethel. While they were still some distance from Ephrath, uh, Rachel gave birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, Don't be afraid, for you have another son. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Oni. But his father named him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, and this is Bethlehem. Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar, and to this day, that pillar marks Rachel's tomb. Israel moved on again and pitched his tent beyond Migdal Eder. And while Israel was living in that region, Reuben went in and slept with his father's concubine, Bilhah. And Israel heard of it. And Jacob had 12 sons. The sons of Leah, Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon, the sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin, the sons of Rachel's maidservant, Bilhah, Dan, and Naphtali, the sons of Leah's maidservant, Zilpah, Gad, and Asher. Um, these were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padam Aram. Jacob came home to his father, Isaac, in Mamre, near Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had stayed. Isaac lived 180 years. Then he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, old and full of years. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay. So there's quite a bit actually happening uh, in this uh, chapter, in these 29 verses. So um, finally Jacob decides he's going to follow through and go to Bethel. You know, God says, hey, I told you to go. And um, he, he's been, been told to go numerous times, so he, but this time he, he, uh, he gets going, which is good. And um, he calls um, in those first couple of verses there for the entire group to, um, uh, it's sort of a cleansing, uh, and, and the first thing they have to do is get rid of all their idols, foreign gods. Remember, um, Rachel had stolen her father's household idols. We saw that, and Jacob knew that, that um, other false gods were sort of hiding in the camp. And, um, you know, throughout the history of Israel, you're going to see they struggle with the temptation to worship false gods um, from the surrounding peoples. And um, Moses uh, will warn them about this, you know, when we get into Deuteronomy. And Joshua will take warn them about it um, as we get into to him as well. Even Samuel had problems with uh, Israel 
um, that we're going to look at. But it already happened. We see it in their history. They, they kind of get stuck and they, they have uh, false gods in their midst. Um, and, you know, these false gods were little household idols. They were, they were things that, that uh, uh, you know, little statues and icons and things like that that they, put, um, they, that they put trust in instead of trusting in the Lord. So they were told to get rid of all those things. And then they were also told to purify themselves and change their clothes. So th- that was a big deal. Um, we, we have trouble uh, usually in our, in our way of looking at things um, because we're, we're very much used culturally at this point in time to, um, uh, you know, a level of personal hygiene that, that includes showering pretty regularly, uh, hopefully, and, and um, changing our clothes also hopefully pretty regularly. And, um, and, and so, you know, and we have... Most most of us have a you know selection of clothes. Not everybody. Most people have you know more than one one sort of clothes uh, change of clothes. But not necessarily was it that way. Obviously, in this time, it was very difficult to um, and not that high of a priority. I don't think to uh, to be clean and and they might not have had you know closets full of clothes. And so it was a pretty big deal that um, this was they're called to and. Uh, and so, um, and it was a picture in the scripture, the whole idea of washing the body and changing clothes really was a picture of a new beginning. Uh, and so, you know, it's, a, it's sort of, you know, how, you know, sin um, needs to be washed away. We see that in scripture. Uh, dirt is sort of a picture of that and it needs to be washed away. And old garments tend to typify the old life and its failure, but, but God gives us new garments so we can get a fresh beginning. We see that throughout Scripture. You have a lot of verses that you will come across like that. And um, again, before um, God gives the, the law at Mount Sinai, we'll see that. He's going to order the people to wash and change their clothes um, because it was a, they were about to start a new thing, a new, new sort of covenant time with God. And so Jacob asked for the people to do that. They obey. Um, they, they give him um, their idols and, and their jewelry. Because people say, why did they get rid of their rings? Um, they were generally, those, that, that jewelry was associated also with pagan gods. And so they were just owning up to it. There was something about earrings that had that sort of um, um, uh, hook to it back then. Um, not, not making an issue with that now. Um, and uh, Jacob buried it all under this oak tree at, at uh, Shechem. You wonder how many people have looked for that oak tree. <laughs> hey, there's a bunch of jewelry buried under there. <laughs> you wouldn't want it, but still, there it was. So, uh, so that's all happening. Uh, and they, 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 so it's a brand new start. It's all a picture of a brand new start now as they move. And he finally gets into obedience. And he's, he's moving in the right direction with his entire family, which is what he was supposed to be doing from the beginning, and, and the consequences, like I said, were horrendous, and there's still issues in his family because of... Remember, Jacob has lived the majority of his life up to his name, which means deceiver. God's given him a new name, he's gonna, and he's going to remind him of that again in this chapter, but um, he's taking a little while to catch up to it in the process. So... Uh, the next idea, you know, we sort of move into verse 5 and, and how the, the town, the, all the surrounding people, the terror of God fell on them so they didn't sort of pursue Jacob in this process. Um, you know, and Jacob's concern was after what his sons had done to the, um, the people of Shechem when they had killed them all, 
all the men that there might be some revenge happening as he as he tried to sneak you know get out of there but um, they didn't God was faithful to his promise as we would expect him to be and he cares for Jacob and his people as he moved towards Bethel he told him to go he's going to make sure he, they get there and, and uh, that same phrase you know that terror of God that we read about um, uh, is also um, what falls on people um, further on in the Old Testament and watches that uh, as God are moving into uh, God's people are moving to where they have to go um, and prepares the sort of the conquest that, that we'll be reading about, you know, further on uh, when when the people of God actually begin to move into the promised land. Um, we'll see how God prepares the way for that and um, what he does in the process. And then uh, verses 6 through 8, Jacob worships God. Um, God kept his deal, kept his promise. Um, Jacob and his, his whole group were safely back to Bethel. Um, and, it, of course, God is always faithful to his promises. And, um, and Jacob so, you know, steps up and does his part of the deal. He builds an altar um, and, and leads his entire household in worshiping the Lord, which is what he's supposed to have been doing all along. And he's finally stepping into that role of, of being the leader that he was called to over his entire family. Um, uh, Bethel means the house of God. Uh, he, he expands that to sort of become the God of Bethel uh, as, as he builds this, um, this altar. And, um, and so it was, you know, it was the, what, what God had done is being, mem- you know, remembered in the building of this altar. The altar was never to be the point of worship. God always was. It was just a reminder. So when you read about Old Testament altars, they weren't they weren't to be worshipped. They, they were a, a reminder of, of who God is. And most of the names of those altars are names of God as we know him. So you'll see those altars named um, uh, and as things, you know, of, you know, God is the God of, uh, who heals and God of provision and God, those things are usually a name given to an altar, but it, not to be worshipped. God is to be worshipped. It was a reminder of what was happening. And then God appears to Jacob um, in verses 9 through 15. Um, in the first time that we were, um, this happened, in Gen, if you remember in uh, Genesis 28, uh, Jacob had really seen God in a dream um, and, and the angels in a dream, but now the Lord appears to him in some sort of special way and blesses him, reaffirms his new name, Israel. Um, God uses his own name in there. Um, God Almighty is El Shaddai which is one of the occurrences where that pops up. You probably have heard the name of God that way. There was a song about that. Um, El Shaddai, and there's sometimes where that's used for God, God Almighty, instead of you know the Lord, which is Yahweh, El Shaddai, God Almighty. Uh, he reaffirms the promises that uh, he's given to Abraham and Isaac about their descendants, and now Jacob, um, that their descendants will possess the land that they're in, Canaan, um, and um, that, that Jacob would have a big part in this. And, and Jacob had, uh, at that time, 11 sons, um, but he's going to get one more son here directly, and then those 12 sons, in effect, become the 12 tribes that you read about uh, uh, there in a little bit. So we'll read, we'll read about the 12th son here in just a moment. Uh, if Jacob sets up this pillar, he de- dedicates it to the Lord. Uh, he, he pours oil on it. He also pours out a drink offering on it, and... Um, so it was a big deal. It was a symbol of this dedication. And it was sort of a picture of the, the, the believer's life being poured out for the Lord is what's being symbolized there. 
And, and so Jacob now has sort of come back to where he was supposed to be, back in the place of God's choosing. He, he'd offered himself to the Lord. He'd offered sacrifices to the Lord. Um, the Lord had spoken to him, the covenant to be reaffirmed. Um, he'd come, you know, from the house of Laban back to the house of God. And, and you know, he's still got a lot to learn about his walk with God. But he's, he's starting now finally to become more Israel-like which is how God had named him, and now he's starting to fall into it, you know, and, and that's the process. He's, he's living more like a, a prince than a pauper, which is how he'd spent most of his life, and, and so there's this significant change is happening. Verse 16 and 17, um, Rachel is, is, um, is about to give birth. Remember, Rachel is his favorite wife. Um, he makes no bones about that, and um, she has... Uh, she has already given him Joseph as a son. He's going to be very significant. Now she's going to give birth to um, another son, and that's Benjamin. Uh, and then, unfortunately, she dies in childbirth. And so it, that, was, it, that must have been a huge deal. Uh, and and she, she names, before she passes on Benjamin, she names him Ben-Oni, which actually means son of my sorrow or son of my trouble. And I don't. I think Jacob now thinks that's not a good name because Jacob had to, Jacob had a name deceiver and it hadn't worked out well for him. So Jacob renames him right away, and uh, he names him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand, and and that means an honored son. So uh, I I think that was a good move on uh, Jacob's part, don't you? Because that would be a horrible name to live up to, son of you know just son of my trouble, not good, son of my right hand. And um, Benjamin will be a, a favorite of Jacob. Uh, and God sort of honors all of that. The, um, the first king of Israel comes from the tribe of Benjamin, in case you had never connected that. And the apostle Paul was also a Benjamite from the tribe of Benjamin. So pretty significant players. Uh, you know, the first king of Israel, Saul, started well, didn't end well, but started well. And um, we know about Paul, right? Paul didn't start well and ended well. How about that? So then you have this thing where um, Reuben, who was the firstborn of Jacob, and so he was the oldest of his sons, at this point in time was most likely in his 20s, and Bilhah was one of Rachel's handmaids and also one of um, Jacob's wives, in effect, had borne him two sons, Dan and Naphtali, but Reuben takes her, um, uh, intimately, and um, this was a big deal, uh, and we don't see Israel doing much about it, Jacob doing much about it right now, but it was a, it was a statement more than anything, uh, and you'll see it, it plays out in the Old Testament, this statement that when, um, uh, it happens with the kings all the time, that when one king is trying to, somebody's trying to become the king, he, he will often take the king's concubines as his own as a symbol of saying he's more superior than the king in the place. Um, and we, we watch it happen all the time. Um, let's see where you see it. Abner, uh, who's uh, the head of the army, he, uh, he takes one of King Saul's concubines. Um, and, and when Saul's son is actually king, um, and, and he, you'll see him say, hey, what are you doing? Because Abner's saying he he's should be the king. Um, David gets uh, all of Saul's concubines when he becomes king. Um, Absalom declares himself king by actually taking his father's concubines. 
Uh, and so what it looks like Reuben was doing um, was he was trying to assert himself as leader over the family as the oldest son by putting himself in that place. And um, it's kind of like the, the parable of the lost son, you know, who can't wait for his inheritance. He's pushing himself into that spot and uh, wants what he wants now. Uh, Jacob doesn't do anything about it as far as we know immediately, but um, when Jacob is older, he will expose Reuben's sin and deprive him of his rights of the firstborn. And you'll see that when we get to Genesis 48, 49. And that now the rights of the firstborn, we've talked about that. Remember we did that with Jacob and Esau. The rights of the firstborn are passed down to Joseph. So um, all those brothers get skipped and it goes to Joseph. But Reuben loses his because of these actions. And then Isaac, uh, more than 20 years before, he thought he was about to die, but he lives to be 180. He lives the longest life of all of the patriarchs. Um, and, and, um, and yet Isaac really is the, we have the least information about Isaac than we do of everybody else. Abraham gets more, Jacob and Joseph all will get more time in the scripture than that. And um, it looks like, you know, Isaac and Jacob uh, sort of had some sort of reconciliation um, because the, when it says, you know, he died full of years, uh, he, he, um, th- that means that things were, you know, going well. Esau came. Uh, finally down from Mount Seir. Remember, Jacob never went to visit him. He came down. They buried their father uh, and uh, in the cave at Machpelah. We've talked about that cave before. And, um, and at this point now with Isaac's death, Jacob um, becomes the head of the family and the heir of the covenant blessings and, and he gets all of the wealth of Isaac and, and uh, all that was involved in the Abrahamic covenant is now passed on to Jacob um, And that's kind of what happens in Genesis 35. That's enough for this week. I'm going to stop there. Uh, If you're watching my video, thank you for doing that. Appreciate you doing it. And come and visit us when you can. And we will call it an evening there.